0: In verse eleven, it says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, then the shepherds and teachers. And it's just helpful if we classify the purpose behind these offices, just really briefly. Uh, when we think about apostles and prophets, we're thinking about those found. That's that's an office that is foundational. So Paul, apostle, foundational for the for the first century church. Peter, apostle, foundational for the first century church. Ephesians two nineteen. And 20, you are fellow citizens, talking about the church, with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And so these two offices were given to help establish the church through their speaking the words of God that that we find in the Old Testament and now the New Testament. Which is our foundation today. The church is is the, the foundation is Christ who is proclaimed in the in the Word of God. And, and I understand that, you know, even approaching the idea of, of apostles and, and prophets might lead to other questions about gifting and, and prophecy. Uh, and and we can talk about those o- o- offline afterwards. But but it's important to note that. There's two offices there that we would look at and go, they are foundational. No one's being uh, appointed as, a, as, a, as an apostle or a or designated prophet like an Isaiah or an Elisha today. Uh, those are foundational offices. He also gives evangelists. So these are people who are uniquely gifted in proclaiming the gospel for the expansion of the church. Now, pastors are called to do the work of an evangelist. In 1 Timothy 4 and 5, Paul encourages Timothy as a pastor to do the work of an evangelist, can proclaim the gospel. But, but the office of evangelist brings with it uh, unique uh, gifting and, and burden to proclaim the gospel. And, and pastors, even though they're supposed to do that, they're respons- they, have, they have other responsibilities that go with the office. Uh, we see this idea or this office or designation of an evangelist in Acts 21 8 with Philip. He's a great example. He's called Philip the evangelist and he's the one uh, who was numbered among the seven in Acts 6 that was handling a distribution of, of food to the, to the, uh, to the, to the poor. And he preached to the to, to the uh, Samaritans. He preached to the Ethiopian eunuch. He preached the gospel to him, and 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 the Ethiopian eunuch professed faith in in Christ, and the church grew. And so you see, evangelists are gifts to the church who preach the gospel uniquely. So, and 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 there's fruit that's there. The church grows because of their sharing of the gospel. People respond in faith, uh, and then we have the shepherds, pastors, and the teachers, and and the two words likely go together. You might even have a little footnote in your Bible there that doesn't, that, that, that says pastors or shepherds dash teachers, like, like they go together. Um, and we talked last week about this distinction that some denominations might make between the kinds of shepherds or elders that exist in the church. There's ruling and teaching elders, but we would simply say that pastors uh, teach and they shepherd uh, and and we would look at that as as there, there's a dash there. Shepherds, teachers, uh, they're all they're all gifts to the church, and and you want your pastors to shepherd and teach uh, simultaneously. They're, they're they're doing that together, uh, and they're shepherding and teaching to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, which leads us to our first question: What does it mean to equip? Or what does it mean to be equipped? Uh, Paul writes that the pastors are given, again, to equip. That's why they're there. Um, the, The equipping is in relationship to building up the body of Christ. We see that in verse 12. It's in relationship to the knowledge of God. It's in relationship to the maturity of the church. We see that in verse 13. And so the idea in Ephesians is that Christians are equipped or made ready or completely outfitted with everything that they need in the church from the scriptures to build up God's people for God's glory. And and if we could take this idea of uh, equipping and, and put it in a nice definition, it might go something like this, and it might serve you to write this down. To equip the saints is to help the church effectively effectively know God, obey God, and enjoy God for the glory of God. So if if we're going to define, what does it mean to equip? To equip the saints is to help the church effectively know God, obey God, and enjoy God for the glory of God. And, and, and what, we'll, what, what I'm going to try and do is, is walk down through the passage and, and, and pull those things out. So the work of the ministry is the work of the ministry is to forward that. Okay, so in all the many ways that that gets advanced to, to keep that very thing going, we want to, the work of the ministry is working to see people come to know God, come to obey God, come to enjoy God, and for God to be glorified and and pastors are are given to the church to lead and shepherd so that that happens in the local church. And so so we are your your pastors or pastors of any church are working to make sure that people are are are, are building their lives around Jesus and giving their, their, their home and their time and their money and their mind and all the things that, that God has given them for that very purpose, to make sure that others know God rightly, that they obey him, that they enjoy him, and that he gets glory in the life of the church. Everybody with me? And the reality is we never fully arrive there. We, we never fully arrive there until we arrive there in glory. This is why Paul says in verse 13, God has gifted the church with pastors to equip the saints until, so it hasn't happened yet, until we all together collectively attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so Colossians 2, 9 tells us that in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Christ is God. We know this. He's fully God, and, and he is God completely and fully expressed in a perfect human life. His, his perfect human life is the measure that we all aspire to in this life. And so, so a helpful way to say it is Jesus is the standard of maturity that the church aspires to. We want to be gentle like Jesus. We want to be humble like Jesus. We want to fight our sin like Jesus with the word of God, like Jesus. We want to love God and others just like Jesus. We want to die to ourselves and and live for the glory of God, just like Christ submitted himself, not to his own will, but to the will of his father, to the point of death for our sins on a cross. We want to live victoriously over sin and death like the resurrected Christ. And we are arriving there and will one day completely arrive at full maturity. 1 John 3:2, beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And so so the reality is that pastors are given to the church to equip the church to maturity so they can help each other be mature in Christ, and you are always being equipped until you attain the unity of the faith. In other words, until we're all together perfectly. You're always being equipped to know the Son of God until we know him perfectly. You're always being equipped to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ until we are all perfectly like Jesus. And so it's the pastor's job to make sure that this is happening regularly in the life of the church as best as as they can until God finishes it in glory. You get it? This is why pastors preach and teach so that the church might grow in their knowledge of the son of God. And so it's necessary for pastors to equip the saints with sound teaching. That's in accordance with sound doctrine. Maybe you've been a part of a church or a particular Christian circle that has tried to say that, I've heard this, learning doctrine is divisive. And, and, and that it's more important that we love people rather than make sure they understand sound doctrine. We just got to love them. Don't worry about the the doctrine. So much get lost in the weeds there and and you miss loving people. But but the truth is doctrine is not divisive. Doctrine does, at least sound doctrine is not. It does no wrong. People are divisive. People do wrong. And people who are ill-equipped or incorrectly equipped, not edified, they're not going to reach maturity so that they won't rightly love the body and the body won't be built up. And and actually, without sound doctrine, sound ministry doesn't happen. There's no sound ministry. And pastors are given to the church primarily, in this instance, to equip the church in this way, through the preaching of the word centered on Christ, not their own ideas. 1 Corinthians 2.2, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And even, and even though preaching preaching sound doctrine is, is the primary way that pastors are given to the church to equip the church to make sure that, that this maturity happens, there's other ways that pastors do it too. This is why we give away books, right? To equip you. To give you what what to give you things that you can 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 can, in, can take in and use to to equip you to do the work of the ministry. This is why pastors disciple people in the word through things like theology huddles and and book studies and maybe even get together with 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 small groups of of, of men to to encourage them in the word and, and train them up in, in the scriptures. This is why pastors identify spiritual gifts in others and, and fan them into flame. Like Paul tells Timothy to do with the gifts that he's been given so that the church can be built up. Pastors look at, look over the congregation and go, that person has the gift of encouragement. This person needs encouragement. Go encourage them. That, that person has the gift of teaching and we're going to need more teachers soon. That, that person has, 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 just a just such a, a gift of, of being compassionate and and kind they they and someone needs that and you send that person to minister to them to encourage them in the word this this is even why we do certain preaching series we're not just plucking things out of the ether and going oh that'd be good oh, that'd be good pastors are going what do what do we need now like what what do we need as a church to hear what, what do we need as a church to grow? What do we need as a church to, to see Christ more clearly in an area that we might not be so that we can do the work of the ministry? Yeah. And, and, and this, this may even bleed into next week's theme of caring for all the church just a little bit, but part of a, a pastor equipping the church is listening for and watching for where the church needs equipping. Needs reminding, needs teaching collectively and even individually, one-to-one. This is why we ask the question, church, how's your soul doing? That's why we ask that question. How are you doing? So when, when a pastor asks that question, what we're not really, what we're really not doing is going, what's up? Like, what's up? How are you doing? What's up? Now, we might, you, you we're going to do that. We're friendly. I, I, I think I'm friendly, right? We're going to, we're. We're going to spend time. We're going to enjoy each other's company. But when, when pastors are, are asking you, how's your soul? There's a reason for that. And, and we want you to ask that question because we want you to know how each other are doing. And, and pastors ask that kind of question so that they can put their finger on the pulse of someone's soul so that they can help you grow in your knowledge of God and your life lived before God and your, and your joy in God so that God might be glorified in your life. So pastors are, are men given to the church, identified by the church, affirmed by the church, given by God to listen to spiritual pulses mm-hmm. and go, that's supposed to go, do, 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 do. and it's, that's out of rhythm, apply gospel right They're, they've been walking kind of kind of funny there's a limp there apply scripture mm-hmm. that's not that's not really working right something's not working right in their life equip with bible apply bible hebrews 12:12 12, 12. lift your drooping hands strengthen your weak knees And make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. Now, the writer of Hebrews there is dealing with with, uh, uh, why you might uh, be confused about the discipline of the Lord, but it's all in the context of the writer reminding or equipping Christians with the knowledge that they are children of God, so that they can run right. You're a son of God, you're a daughter of God. Don't you know that? And now you know, you can run right now, you're equipped, you can, you can work right to do the work of the ministry. You understand? And, and I do think, it's gonna get really practical here, that the function of the office of pastor and what's actually happening in instances like, like that, how's your soul doing? I think that some of that can get blurred when there's close proximity in age. So we are a young church. I am a young man. Many of you are my peers, okay? And because of that, we might share the same interests. We might get the same cultural references. Right? We might wear the same shoes. We might wear a hat the same, okay? But God has burdened pastors regardless of age with the task of leading the church, pursuing the church, teaching the church, equipping the church so that she might grow in effectively knowing God, obeying God, and enjoying God for the glory of God. And so in that way, it's helpful to remember that when God calls men to be pastors, he's not calling them to hang out. So if you ask a pastor, what do you desire the office for? He desires the the office of overseer desires a noble task, a good task. It's a good thing to want to do that. You don't want to hear the pastor say, I just love hanging out with, with Christians. <laughs> you should want to hang out with Christians. Pastors should want to be with Christians. But if that's the answer, something's wrong there. So anybody can just hang out. But pastors are working, laboring for your maturity in Christ so that you can do the work of the ministry to the glory of God. And so the goal is we all want to look, we all want to sound and act as much like Jesus as the spirit affords us until we are all in glory. And pastors take the lead in making sure that that is happening by equipping you. And it's, it's one of the things that pastors are actually going to have to give an account for, not just as Christians, but as pastors. I don't want to get to glory, whether I've pastored you for two years or 20, and say, they really, they limped in ways that I could have prevented. We're all, we're all going to limp into glory in some sense. But I don't want it to be the case that I, that it, as much as it depends on me, I didn't do anything about that. I want to equip you. We want to equip you. Pastor Valter, Pastor Brian, any other pastor that is raised up in this church wants to equip you with all that you might need to run right and do the work of, of the ministry. Pastors are conduits, they're avenues, they're vessels to more ministry and to much maturity in the church. Point number two: who is equipped? You probably already know the answer, but we're going to talk about it, okay? Uh, Thomas Boston's a Puritan uh, and pastor, he, he says this: "Whatever you learn from the word, label to put it in practice, for to him that has shall be given. No wonder they get little insight into the Bible who makes no conscience of conscience of practicing what they know. But while the stream runs into a holy life, the fountain will be the more free." And so there's a direct connection between knowledge and practice or knowledge and ministry. And and maybe you've had a church experience, maybe where as one writer puts it, the pastors supply the ministry and the people supply the need for ministry. And if someone asked someone in in that hypothetical church, who's the one who builds up, who builds up this church Who?" Who cares for this church? And people would only point to the pastor. Well, something is wrong with that. Something's not right. So Paul points to the saints. He points to the saints. Look at, verse, look at verses 11 and 12 again. He gave the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints, the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So it's not primarily the people mentioned in the first half of verse 11 who are doing the work of the ministry. It's it's everybody. It's the saints. And so as far as the Bible is concerned, if the pastor does all the ministry himself, the work of the ministry is actually not happening. So the goal of a pastor in equipping the saints is to work towards the church's dependency on Christ, not solely on their pastor. So, which, which, so you want to see a church that if, if the pastor says, I, have, I I'm, God's called me elsewhere, or the pastor dies, the church goes, all right, we're good. Let's, we know what to do. We got four others, and we know how to raise up some more. It doesn't shut down because it's not built around a personality. It's built around Christ. And so the pastor holds up Christ, crucified, risen, and coming again, and says, go be like Christ. Go be a husband like Christ. Go be a wife uh, who's imitating Jesus. Go encourage the women, sisters, to be like Christ. Go have men's prayer and pray that Christ be lifted up and the men of the church lead like the Lord Jesus Go, somebody started children's ministry, so that in the children's ministry, all the children of the church are hearing about the crucified, risen, and coming again Christ, and they're learning about what it means to follow Jesus. Go share Christ with your neighbor. Go, go, go church, go canvas the neighborhood with the gospel of Christ. Go be a Christ-like employee on your job, so pastors are holding up Christ. And equipping you with all that you need in your understanding of Christ. And then they say, go be like him in the church and in the world. Go do the work of the ministry. Go be effective in helping the church know God, obey God, and enjoy God for the glory of God. Go do the work of the ministry. Can you imagine? Picture this now. Even if you don't watch sports, you can get this, okay? There's 11 players on a football team, either side. Can you imagine a football team watching their coach run out onto the field by himself while they sit on the bench? And when someone asks, what's going on? What is this? And they go, coach coach is playing today. He's going to play. Oh, by himself? He's going to play by himself. Yeah, he's going to play by himself. Well, he's been playing longer, you know. He went to football school. Got a lot of rookies on the team. We might make mistakes. We might mess up a play. We don't want to, we don't want to mess anything. And they pay him. You know, they pay him. And we're just going to go, yeah, go coach. You're doing a great job. Run. Do it. And then they watch the opposing team kick the ball off, and the coach catches the ball, and he runs up field, and he's crushed by 11 opposing defenders and the medics have to come on and cart him off and he's concussed. He's half conscious. (laughs) But, but if the coach plays and the coach coaches and, and, and and he plays with the rest of the team that he's coaching on how, here's how we play the game together. So we do it the best that we can do it. That's a, That's no pun intended. That's a different ballgame. So this is why God gives Christians in a church to the church. and equips them with spiritual gifts so that we might minister to one another. 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. Isn't it dope how he laces everybody with varying degrees of grace? 1 Corinthians twelve seven: To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Where? In, primarily in the life of the church. And as the church goes out into the world for the world. The church is and ought to be full of saints doing the work of the ministry in God's church. Because the reality is, the Bible says that we are priests in God's house. This is God's design. How do we know this? Adam and Eve were the first priests. And Eden was the first tabernacle. Well, God, he walked among them. And they were called to work it and to keep it and to enjoy the presence of God together. And we know that that was broken when the fall came. And God raised up priests in Israel. And even Israel was a kingdom of priests. Exodus 19.6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And so God walked among them as a nation of priests, and they were meant to have communion with God and speak the truths of God to one another. Priests are also people who worked in God's house, the temple, and were meant to identify what was clean, what was unclean, and what was holy. Leviticus 10, 10, and 11. You are to distinguish between the holy and the common And between the unclean and the clean, and you want to teach the people, teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. And what are we? Saints, we're priests. And we are people who proclaim to the world and to one another, I was once unclean. And if you're not in Christ, you're unclean. In every way, I was a filthy, rotten, Low-down, disgusting sinner until Christ, the Holy One, Holy One, died for my sin and and washed my sins away by his shed blood on the cross. And now I'm coupled among a bunch of clean people. You're You're clean and you're clean and you're clean and you're clean and you're clean. And who did that? The Lord. Holy, holy, holy is is the Lord. He did it. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we're to call people to draw near to him. That's what priests do in the house of God. Priests are also the ones who, who, who equipped for the work of the ministry in the local church as living stones. First Peter says, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. So not only do we minister in God's house as priests, you are God's house. He is a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He goes on, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may do what? Proclaim the excellencies of him? Who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light? What's that? That's the work of the ministry. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Ephesians 2, 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And then he goes on, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a temple, into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place. For God by the Spirit. And so the church is God's house. You are God's dwelling place. And the church is full of housekeepers, priests, ministers, and pastors are laboring to equip all the keepers of God's house with all the cleaning material and tools and things that they might need to make sure that God's house is in right order, that people understand the scriptures so they can properly care for one another, that people are given all they need to make living sacrifices of their lives, that people are given all they might be uh, required to understand and obey Christ and be conformed into his image and likeness, and that no one mistakes who the house belongs to, right? So part of the pastor's job is, is when people go, who's in charge here? That you go, this is, this is Christ. Christ is in charge. He gets all the glory. Mm-hmm. Pastors equip saints in the church to ensure that we are no longer children. Ephesians 4.4, 4, tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine. Pastors equip the saints in the church so that all the priests in the church Make sure that we are, Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, speaking the truth in love. Pastors are equipping and watching over the church to make sure that we are growing up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Talking about the priesthood of all believers, Ed Welch says this. He says, everyone is busy and needed. Our mission is to be close to the Lord invite others to come closer to him and speak words of blessing in the name of Jesus, and so that that's the work of the ministry church, and it happens in all sorts of ways in the church full of ministers full of housekeepers full of priests. It happens in structured and planned ways. It happens in spontaneous and unexpected ways. It happens in your marriage, in your parenting, in your home. It happens on Sundays. It happens on Thursdays. It happens on Saturday morning. And the reason that it can happen is because the resurrected Christ bore your sins, my sins, on the cross and died so that he might purchase a whole people for himself Amen. with his own blood. He's He's bought. A church full of blood-washed ministers of the gospel. And you are enrolled. You are enrolled in the work of the ministry because Jesus saved you into it. And the church is, we are, this in Christ fellowship is the instrument of Christ. Not only in reaching Germantown, but also the instrument of his sanctifying work in, in, in in our lives. As believers, and this happens through your example, family, to one another. This happens when you worship together. This happens when you hold one another accountable. And and all those things help us grow in grace. That's the work of the ministry helping us grow in grace. And the good news of the gospel is not just that we can be saved by Christ, but that we are being renewed into the image of Christ. And that we get to help one another do that. And, and your pastors are committed to laboring in equipping you with everything that you need to do that.